black woman, beautiful, powerful, resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation, a talk, especially an informal one between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So we created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Janine. How has your week been? Um, well, the week was okay. I was sort of excited initially because I felt like I'm going to Napa Valley to this conference. It's going to be great. And then I realized every morning starts at 6 a.m. So um, they're really early mornings every single morning. So I feel like I haven't got any sleep. And uh, my flight left this morning at six and from Sacramento to Napa Valley is about an hour. So we had to leave our room at three. So that it's been a pleasant day. <laughs> just say that I'm tired. <laughs> so let's just say that. Getting up at three o'clock in the morning, California time is still early East Coast or Central time. So I feel bad for you. But did you at least have fun in California? did i mean it was cool i mean i feel like the wine tastings were cool but it was still really 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 early in the morning and i felt like i was tired so every night around eight which is 10 my time i was like okay it's time to go to bed because i'm tired (laughs) well did they have activities planned all day or was it just like early in the morning and then you could skip and then no. So friend of the podcast, Tiffany Thomas May, who's done some stuff with me on Pregnancy Pearls as well. So she's another MFM uh, physician. She was there and my mentor from my training program was also there. So she and I and uh, hooked up with uh, Dr. Owens, my mentor, and we did like wine tastings and dinner and, and that kind of thing pretty much every day. So she had some stuff planned because she has gone and she just went to Napa two months ago. And before that, she went two months before that. So she She's frequented Napa. So she's like, let me show you around. I'm like, okay, girl. So that's what we did. We were basically on her time. And she loves wine. So she's a wine club member at like six different wine vineyards. I mean, she, yeah, that was her thing. I hope that you had some fun. I did. I did have some fun. A lot of wine and a little bit of time. That sounds like a good times that were had by all. No? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was fun, you know, but like some days where there were like more than one wine tasting lined up and that was just way too much for me. So like Tiffany can just drink and drink wine and like she loves wine. For me, I'm like one glass. That's not, I'm good. You know, <laughs> I'm good because, you know, they're serving you like these little bitty tastings, you know, they're okay. just like little splash. So you if you go to a vineyard that has heavy pours for their tastings, then you're getting probably somewhere around two real glasses, like two eight ounce pours of wine. And I don't need more than two glasses of wine. I felt like 
that one day we had two lined up in the same day, two wine tastings. And I was like super nauseated. One, because I was trying wines that I didn't necessarily like. And then two, it was just too much. Like I'm not a drinker like that. I just felt like I was drinking a lot of calories. Well, that's what you had planned on is drinking your calories back. But I yeah. will say, though, because your body is little, you probably should not consume as much wine as Tiffany because Tiffany is like my height. So Tiffany and I could probably consume, you know, twice as much at least wine as you can because you're little. Touche. I mean, yeah. I mean, and Tiffany, she's used to drinking alcohol, like especially wine. Like that's her thing. Like she's like, my pastime is drinking wine. <laughs> that sounds like a fun pastime. <laughs> yeah. I mean, me the next time I like listen, to wine too. She will have you. She will definitely have you and take you to all the tastings and get VIP treatment because she's a member of all those vineyards. <laughs> sounds fun. Maybe you all will come to Virginia because we have some dope vineyards in Virginia. They're pretty good. I went in the wintertime. It was actually super fun. And then we can stay at the Salamander Resort. It's so, it'd be fun. Why don't we do it? We should do that. That would be nice, except for I don't want to do anything more than about a glass of wine. I'll go to I'll go to the spa while y'all are sipping wine. How about that? That sounds great. What if you had to drink something that is an alcoholic beverage, what would it be? If it's not wine, what what would you what is your beverage of preference? I am much better at cocktails. Like I'm a vodka girl. Let's really? do cocktails. Yes. Cause I like things that are sweet and that taste really good. I don't want to taste anything that I have to like acquire a taste to enjoy. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. Sweet wine isn't really that good to me. I don't prefer a sweet. First of all, I don't particularly care for red wine, but I don't prefer a sweet red. And I really don't like a Zinfandel. Like, I don't like the sweet wines. Oh, I love us. I love a port. I love a port. You know, uh, that after dessert wine. Oh, my God. It's so good. Like a dessert wine. I can do a Riesling, but I'm talking about like a port dessert wine. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's just the opposite for me. I'll do a sweet. But even my drinks aren't really that sweet. Like if I had to pick an alcoholic beverage outside of wine that I wanted, I think I would pick a lemon drop martini. Like that's my go to. That's super sweet. That's not sweet. It, It has the bitter so that I don't have that like Kool-Aid flavor. That's what it's that's what sweet drinks taste like to me. Kool-Aid. Don't you love them? Like uh, like when like Long Island iced tea, you don't even know that you drink. Like you look up and you're like, woo, it feels good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Johnny, what did you do this week? This week was actually reasonably quiet. I finished the pre-production for my show that's coming up in October. Well, I don't want to say in October because we're already in October. So in a couple of weeks. So I finished the pre-production. So that was a big thing because I was like, I need to get it done because I have a show literally on the heels of that. And that was pretty much it. Like I really like hunkered down because I had been out of my physical office for so long that I really needed to get everything done. So I hunkered down and got that done this week. So it is now in production. So it should be done by Tuesday. And that is in plenty of time for us to air it. So I told myself and my counterpart, Lauren, who used to be the... She was our content manager. Yes. I told her, I was like, we are not going to be scrambling two days before this time. And she was like, I know we always say that and it always happens. But this time we hunker down and we got it done and it should be 
ready to go in plenty of time so that we have enough time to focus on our next show. So can you tell us about the show? Like, when can we see it? Is that against the rules? So, against the no, rules? no, no. I can tell you. Okay. So it's because it's been announced. The show has been announced. It's Spirit of Praise. It's a gospel celebration that we have for our stations every single year. It's the 13th one. So the 13th annual. And it has some really dope people on it. So like, Pastor Mike Jr. We have the Clark sisters are headlining. So it's it's going to be a dope show. So if you all like gospel music, you can go to Praise 104.1 and check it out. Or you can go to the YouTube page and check it out. But it does not premiere until the 16th. And then as soon as it premieres, once the premiere is done, there's some goodies right after the show. So make sure you check it out. Awesome. So we will be in the house virtually Amen. to support. All right. All right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, Janine. So what's on your timeline this week? Okay. So Dave Chappelle, actor, writer, producer, we know him as a stand-up comic. Dave Chappelle, he's best known for The Chappelle Show. He's appeared in a number of shows, films, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, The Nutty Professor, on Undercover Brother and Half-Baked. He's won five Emmy Awards, including one for his guest appearance on SNL. And he's won three Grammys, including his most recent Grammy from his 2020 Sticks and Stones Netflix special. And Chappelle also won a Mark Twain Prize for American Humor, which is the highest comedy award in the U.S. He's been called a comedic genius by Esquire, the best by Billboard, and Rolling Stones ranked him number nine in the 50 best stand-up comics of all time. You wonder, so how does Dave Chappelle go from being the top of his comedy game to being canceled by cancel culture? Here it is. His sixth and final, according to him, Netflix special, The Closer. The special was released on October 5th, which was just this past Tuesday. And almost immediately, like before I even got a chance to watch it, I was seeing the backlash that he was receiving on social media. They started labeling him as transphobic, misogynistic, and even socially irresponsible, which, look, the claims started coming, which is the reason why I decided to watch the special, to be very honest. And they said that he was targeting the queer and trans community. And I feel like we kind of missed the point on his special, but... I'll give you the whole story. Several organizations, both LGBTQ and Black activists, have decided to speak out against the special. So GLAD, which is the Gay Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, they tweeted that Dave Chappelle's brand has become synonymous with ridiculing trans people and other marginalized communities. The most interesting comment or organization I feel like that spoke out against it, which I kind of felt was very strange, was the National Black Justice Coalition, which honestly, prior to this, I've never even heard of the National Black Justice Coalition. Call me ignorant, but I've been black for 38 years and this is the first time that I've heard of them. And they actually asked Netflix to pull the special. They said that this year, we are as a country are tracking to have the deadliest year when it comes to violence against the transgender community. I found it interesting that this particular organization was focusing on that. They said that the closer was perpetuating transphobia and it should be canceled and there should be a public apology from Chappelle and Netflix to the transgender community. Okay, so what did Chappelle say? Let me just go into it. These are the parts of the, the comedy special that people keep on focusing on in reference to it being misogynistic and transphobic. One of the things that, that he said was, 
that gender is a fact. He stated that everyone on this earth has passed through the legs of a woman to be on this earth. And that's a fact, which here's the thing. As far as I know, that's true. Now, the whole gender is a fact thing eh, depends on who you ask, depends on how people feel. I don't think it's even a point to be argued. But the point that he was making was in order for us all to be here, a woman had to carry us. No, it's not a fact. That's not true. Because remember, you can have you can have trans men that were born women that have babies. What he should have said was genotypically everyone was born via two X chromosome through two X chromosomes. I mean, to get so technical, it's almost like you got to think so hard. And I think I got his point as someone that takes care of people in the trans community dealing with reproduction. I completely got his point. And y'all know what he meant when he said that. But it offended a few a few people because at this stage of the game, everybody is super sensitive about everything. But again, it's a comedy act. He don't have time to explain all of that. My opinion, again, not here to offend, kind of give some sort of explanation to what he was saying. Another thing that he said was he was talking about trans women's genitalia. He said that And I'm going to paraphrase this because I will not utilize the words that he used. But basically, he said that trans women's genitalia, he's not saying that they're not women, but it's not really quite the same. It's kind of like beyond genitalia or impossible genitalia. It tastes like it, but it's not quite what it is. Now, listen, while the comment, again, could be taken offensively, Nicole is holding in her laughter as we speak, because regardless of how you could take it offensively, when you listen to it, you have to admit it's funny. I'm just saying you have to admit that it's funny. Again, don't think that he meant it to be offensive. I think that it was a part of his comedy routine. Clearly, people who want to complain about this special kind of miss the point, because at the very beginning of the special, Dave Chappelle goes into this point where he says, I'm not anti LGBTQIA. He's saying that that's not what he is. He's not anti the movement. He said he's actually kind of jealous of the movement because their movement is moving quickly. And we've been struggling for hundreds of years for people to hear and see and respond to the African-American movement. So he's not anti LGBTQIA. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, why can't we get that same kind of zeal for the Black Lives Matter movement? Not specifically Black Lives Matter, but you all know what I mean. But one of the most important and real things that he said, he said it when he was jokingly negotiating the release of the baby who also recently got canceled for some very inappropriate comments that he made, which Dave Chappelle did state that those comments were just way too far. But when he was saying that, he said, In this country, you can kill a black person, but you better not hurt a gay person's feelings. And he cited this because the baby who got canceled for his very inappropriate comments about the LGBTQ community, he got canceled for that, but he didn't get canceled for shooting and killing someone. Just let that sink in for a second. You get canceled for hurting a community's feelings, but not for actually killing someone. So the truth of the matter is Dave Chappelle 
equally pretty much railed everybody in this thing, right? He cracked jokes about black people. He cracked jokes about Jewish people. He even said when he was talking about him having the coronavirus that he felt like there was a fight between Asians and blacks inside his body when his body was fighting off the coronavirus. Is that not offensive? But we don't see people from the Asian community talking about how offensive this special was. Since the special was released... Dave Chappelle has performed. He performed at the Hollywood Bowl and at the Hollywood Bowl with Brad Pitt, Tiffany Haddish, um, Stevie Wonder. There were a bunch of people and he publicly dismissed the backlash. At the end of The Closer, Dave Chappelle also talks about a young lady who was his friend named Daphne Dorman. Now, Daphne Dorman was a comic and she was also transgender. He's previously spoken about her in his other specials. And Daphne is someone who has previously defended Chappelle's speak about the LGBTQ community, specifically the transgender community. And she's since uh, passed away. One of the things that I found very interesting is since his backlash, the sisters of Daphne have come out to speak on Dave Chappelle. And one of the things that they said, well, one of the sisters said was Daphne didn't find his jokes rude or crude or off colored or off putting. And the other sister said that Dave loved my sister and she considers Dave an LGBTQ ally. And she went on to say that his entire set was begging to end this very situation. She also uh, made a Facebook post and I thought that the Facebook post was touching. And she said, what Dave is saying to the LGBTQ family is I see you. Do you see me? What do you think, Nicole? I feel like we should put spoiler alert before this episode. Before this episode. But um, I don't understand how that was transphobic, even though he jokingly said he was transphobic because that's how people labeled him during um, the show. But I mean, he obviously had this friend that he basically gave a chance with zero experience and continued to be in contact. And then at the end of the show, he mentioned that he started a trust fund for her daughter. Ask, you know, what did the LGBTQIA community do for for her? She, he doesn't know. He doesn't care because that's not their responsibility. That was, he, she was his tribe and he felt like he should be taking care of her family. And so I don't understand how people that are struggling with something because we're all struggling with something. And that's what he was trying to convey. Hey, I'm a black man. I have struggles every day. I don't agree necessarily with your struggles because I don't live in that struggle, but I recognize that you are dealing with some stuff too. How that can be misconstrued as he's homophobic or he's transphobic. Like what? Um, I feel like the whole show was dedicated to trying to be empathetic to the trans community. So I, I don't know how they, uh, how he got called, uh, canceled. And honestly, I don't know who said he was canceled. I mean, y'all, have you seen the ratings on the closer? I was about to say it is still ranked number three on Netflix. They are still watching and uh, the ratings talk. So you can say it, but I mean, he's laughing all the way to the bank right now. And realistically, he has said a lot more offensive stuff than the, the stuff he said on on this particular show. I mean, the Dave Chappelle episode when he thought that he was uh, KKK, he didn't realize he was black. I mean, it's freaking hilarious, but it was highly offensive. <laughs> it was highly offensive, but it was it was 
that's hilarious to me. And it just depends on the type of humor you have. So everybody, his humor is not for everybody. Just like Richard Pryor's humor may have been like just too risque for some people. Some people think DL is too political. I mean, so it's not for everybody. I mean, that's not what he intended to be. He's going to have a following for a really long time. And that following is going to keep laughing, just like Daphne laughed on the front row, Hello. you know, because it's funny. I mean, if you can't laugh at your situation, then, you know, what can you do? Like you you can't you have to make light of some of these things. And he's right. Like the baby went when when Dave Chappelle was like, whoa, the baby. Right. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. You know, it was extreme. But the fact that I mean, I didn't know the baby shot somebody in Walmart, but I know he said some really bad things about the trans community and HIV. That circulated around. See, that's the thing, though. So it it wasn't common knowledge that he had shot somebody in Walmart, right? Like it kind of just was, oh, we let the law take care of it and move on. But this, it was cancel him. They canceled him from shows. They can't. I mean, literally all of the festivals he got canceled from, which, look, I agree because what he said was super inappropriate. But that's not this. That's not this special. So a couple of things. One, I'd like to point out something. It's hard enough to be a performer. It's I feel like twice, 10 times as hard to be a comedian, right? Because people, they laugh at what they think is funny and, and comedy is so personal. So when you find a good comedian that can draw people together, that's a genius. Let's be honest. And let's talk about what comedy is for a second. Comedy isn't real life. Yes, it is based on real life. But when people are standing up there telling the jokes, they're not talking about you specifically unless they're railing on the audience. But again, they don't really know you. Comedy is an art that is specifically taken from the ails of our society and making light of them. That is the point of it, to take all of the bad stuff. Like you said, Nicole, if you can't laugh at it, then like you're just going to be miserable. So laugh at your situation. And that's that's what a comedian does. Like it makes you laugh at your situation. I mean, as many black jokes as he said, I mean, some of it has some truth and you you're like, ouch, you know, that was true. You have to laugh about it. Nobody's talking about we weren't canceling him then when he was talking about the black community and the stereotypes in the black community. I'm just saying. But that impossible meat joke was um, like it was funny when he said that's beet juice. I'm like, that is beet juice. That's why it's red when you put it in the skillet. That's hilarious. But another thing that he said, which was like, oh, ouch, was when he said, you know, Caitlyn Jenner got woman of the year after being a trans woman for one year. One year she was woman of the year. He was like, if I was a woman. I, mean, I would be pissed off. Like I've lived all my all my life as a woman, and then this person show up in less than a year and become woman of the whole year. And, <laughs> and he has he had a point. He had a point. Like you haven't even lived the struggles of a woman. He's like, you know, Caitlyn Jenner hadn't even had a period, and she was woman of the year. I'm just saying. Like, look, here's the thing. We all know that you and I are. LGBTQ allies, right? But if we can't laugh at this, like if we can't laugh at ourselves, why are we living? Like, let's be honest, we all go through stuff that's bad. And I really would like to say that minority communities, Blacks, Asians, LGBTQ women, it's almost like we're having like the marginalized Olympics. Why are we doing this to ourselves? We all are marginalized. We all are not white men, right? Like we cannot all be heterosexual type A white men. We can't. It's called diversity, right? And we all have something that makes it difficult or hurdles that we have to overcome to have the same rights that these heterosexual white men have. Why are we not banding together to get to the point where we all can be equal? We 
we'll get further if we do this together. Why well, are we like this? That was his whole point, right? Like he was like, Absolutely. we all in this together. Like you minority, I'm minority. We all in this together. I'm just anti-white. And he, he said that. I mean, it was very blatant. He said that. And the problem he had with the LGBTQIA community was that they are they are the minority when it's convenient and then they become white when they're white and call the police. So that double standard of like, I'm the majority, so I am privileged, but I'm also disenfranchised and minority. So I need these minority rights. It's like sort of kind of slap in the face. I'm just saying. I just would like us all to stop being so sensitive to these kinds of things and focus more on really fighting for the rights that we deserve. This is art. Like, why are we arguing about art? This is not important in the grand scheme of the movement. This is just about people's feelings. And and like you said, Nicole, comedy isn't it for everyone. If this isn't the comedy for you, then don't watch it. It's that simple. Well, speaking of feelings, let's get into some letters, why don't we? Of people that are sensitive about this subject matter. All right, so the first letter reads, Dear Nicole and Janine, I have a daughter who is a trans woman. When she first started dressing as a woman in high school, I told her that she was a boy and shouldn't dress like a sissy. I strongly discouraged her transformation, which made us grow apart when she went to college. During college, she only came home for holidays. The Christmas of her second year of college, she came dressed as a woman and told us that she now wanted to be referred to as such. She legally changed her name to Tanya. I reluctantly and gradually started referring to her as a girl. I made some mistakes, but now it's like second nature. She's now in grad school getting her master's in English. She has a boyfriend, but I haven't met him. When I asked if he knew about her being transgender, she told me no. Since she's had corrective surgery, she's fully a woman and shouldn't have to discuss her past. I told her I didn't agree and that it was not only selfish, but dangerous to not fully disclose her truth. She lashed out, calling calling me not supportive, transphobic, and all other kind of names. I was surprised at the level of disrespect. We ended the call abruptly. Now she hasn't spoken with me for two months and I wa- and she won't answer my calls. The only way I know she's okay is through social media. Ladies, did I overstep? What advice can you give to help me understand how to handle this situation? So unfortunately, this was a rocky start because you kind of weren't on board at the beginning. You know, one of the things that Morgan said when we had her on before, you know, it's a transition for everyone. It's not just a transition for the person who is transitioning, but it's a transition for their family and friends and all of the people around them. Right. So you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. And unfortunately, the first interactions with you and your daughter were that you weren't really on board. You were kind of calling her names and it just wasn't a pleasant experience. So with this particular situation, I think that you kind of just have to give her time. You all have a history in this process of not necessarily seeing eye to eye or you necessarily being the most supportive. So this could be triggering to her from, you know, to what, how this initially started. So Give her time. She hopefully will come around. But what you cannot do is force her timeline. If she's not ready to tell her boyfriend, if she doesn't feel like she needs to tell her boyfriend, that's her relationship with her boyfriend. And you have to be okay with the fact that you can't dictate what that relationship is going to look like or the timeline of that relationship. You don't have any more say in her relationship because she's a transgender woman than you would if she was a cisgender woman. 
It's not your relationship. If she comes to you and asks you for advice, then you give her the best advice that you have and try not to be offensive, but you cannot control how she decides or when she decides or if she decides to disclose to her boyfriend that she is a transgender woman. What do you think, Nicole? I feel like one, I'm starting to hate the word trigger. I really am starting to hate the word trigger because I feel like everything is a trigger and you don't know what's a trigger. And so you have to tread so, so lightly. And I hate the fact that people have to like not really express themselves because they don't want to be offensive to other people who are also offending them. I mean, I feel like one, the mom has to be given some credit as a mother. I'm sitting here thinking if my son lived a certain way and then all of a sudden changed I would probably be thinking to myself, is there a reason for the change? I mean, that's the thing I would be thinking of. And and that's because we know that the trans community has a really high rate of sexual abuse and things like that. So I would want to know what has happened. Has there been something going on that I contributed to? Right. And after I got over the fact that the person that I think of as my son and I've been calling my son, I now have to instantaneously referred to as my daughter and I can't make any mistakes when I refer to her as her instead of him although I've been calling him him like for 16 years and all of a sudden in high school it's like a flip of like maybe I'm a woman but not really because I'm not really to live that truth because I'm still young but now that I'm older and an adult although you've lived 20 something years as a man you expect your parents to accept that change instantaneously I'm thinking from a, a mother standpoint like a hey everything that you raised and everything that you did just erase that And now you have to create new memories going forward and never, ever mention the past memories. So to me, that's very difficult for a parent, even a parent that's very accepting of the trans community. I mean, I just think that that's still a challenge. And I think that we have to give each other some type of grace. It seems like the mom is more concerned about safety, which I would be, because we know that violence against the trans community is a real thing. And you don't want your daughter to be dating somebody, fall in love with somebody, and then all of a sudden they find out and they weren't told. Like... That person, that boyfriend has the right to choose whether or not they're dating a trans or a cis woman. They have the right to know I'm not going to have kids. They have that right. And so I think that the timing is up to the daughter. It's not up to the mom, but I would make sure that your daughter is safe. I'm more concerned about your safety, not that you're not a cis woman. I I am accepting the fact that you're a trans woman, but I want everybody to love you as a trans woman. And I don't want you to put yourself in a situation where a year from now you're abused or you're with somebody that's going to walk away from you when they find out your truth. So as a parent, I would just want to make sure she's safe. And so I would tell this listener, don't go from the angle of, criticizing because you started off rocky and you messed up girl you can't call names but it sounds like you're accepting and you're encouraging and you want to be there for your daughter but you can't come from a critical role you need to come from a i just want to make sure you're safe i agree on the one hand i do feel like you should know who you are sleeping with right like you should have all of the information about who you were sleeping with but I don't know if the onus is on the person who is transgender to tell or the person who is cisgender to 
ask because in my mind, I know that I don't go into a heterosexual relationship saying, by the way, I'm cisgender. Right. So a transgender person should not have to go into a relationship and saying, by the way, I'm transgender. It's awkward. You wouldn't have that conversation to say I was born with the vagina that I have. Right. You don't have that conversation. It's awkward. And people would look at you funny if you if you the first got time that you met a guy or you were dating a guy, you was like, by the way, I was born with the vagina that I have. Right. So I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like either way, it's a it's a catch 22. If you say something you could be caught in a violent situation. If you don't say something, you can be caught in a violent situation. And that's that's the safety issue is the perception that transgender women are somehow different and should have to disclose because they are transgender. I don't again, I'm not a scholar in this this particular subject and I don't know what the right or appropriate time is to tell, I would think it would be before you were sexually intimate. But again, at that point, if you've fallen in love with somebody and God forbid you fall in love with somebody who is homophobic and then you tell them that could too put your life at risk. So I don't know where I stand with this in terms of when do you disclose or how soon should you disclose or whose responsibility it is. I don't have a a stance on it. I don't just because I'm not knowledgeable enough about it. But I do feel like it's just a dangerous situation either way. The issue I have is she says since she's had corrective surgery, she's had bottom surgery, she does not have to tell, period. And so this is the problem I have with that. To me, honesty is the best policy. Anytime you are about to be serious, this is not somebody she just like fooled around with. Like this is her boyfriend. This is somebody she's getting serious with. And so now feelings are involved here. Okay. So I just don't think that it is ethical to not disclose your truth. Now, and your point is, you know, should cis women have to say they're cis women and trans women? Listen, social norms are social norms. I didn't make the social norms. America made the social norms. And so if people go into relationships and they meet somebody, if a man meets somebody that looks like a woman and they assume that they're a woman, if that is not the truth, they should be told, I'm a woman, but I was not born a woman, okay? To me, that's the same as if you're dating somebody and you can't have kids. I feel like that conversation should be had early. Like once y'all start getting serious, you should say, okay, time out. Let me let you know. I have had a hysterectomy or I can't have kids. So if you're with me, you know that you're not going to have kids. I think that conversation should be had early in a relationship. Don't even set yourself up for failure like that. And if this person loves you and you talk to them, and they're accepting, then okay, go for it. There are a lot of people out there that are fine dating trans women, just like there are a lot of people out there that are fine dating trans men. But I think that we have to be honest with ourselves and we have to love ourselves enough and be confident in ourselves enough to be able to say, this is my stuff, okay? Now, I also think that people should should share the, the fact that they've been arrested or have a record and things like that up front. Like I am all about, this is not just about like, oh, men, women, cis, trans. Like, I feel like if you got baggage, you need to let that be known. Let me choose if I want to be with a person that has a credit score of 510. Let me choose that. Okay. Let me choose that. Okay. If I can help you get your credit together. Hey, if I love you enough, I help you. But I want to be the person choosing. If you have a record, don't have me bring you to the Christmas party. Don't have, don't embarrass me. And then people go, Google, no, I don't want to. I don't want that. Be upfront about your stuff. I'm just saying. I mean, I get it. I understand what you're saying. And I agree. You should be upfront. And I think that 
honesty in any relationship is always the best policy. However, I also understand the hesitation of why people don't feel like they should disclose that. It's going to come out anyway. And so for her to say a statement of because I have bottom surgery, I don't have to say anything. Like what? ever? Yeah, that's not. Share your journey. Because if this person is going to be a part of your life and with your family or go to your reunions or what have you, they're going to find out. And you don't want them to find out from some friend from college. Yeah, you're right. Before you had bottom surgery, you know that you don't want that. Like you want to be the person that says, hey, listen, I need to tell you something. It's going to be a sensitive subject. I love you. This is who I used to be. This is who I am now. And see what, you know, what what's going to happen. You're right. I agree. This is a lot. Heavy, honey. It is. Okay. My letter says, ladies, a transgender black woman who has been listening to you since you had Morgan on. Thank you all for being allies. When you posted about Dave Chappelle, I wanted to write in. I have a problem with the cancellation, and she put that in quotation marks, of Dave Chappelle. And here's why. I'm black first. My mother was black. My father was black. Therefore, I am black. When I walk the streets and go to work, people identify me as a black woman, not a black trans woman. I don't know why this is so difficult for people to understand, but it's true. I recently had this conversation with another trans friend and she couldn't understand my point of view. She felt like I should quote, stand with the trans community and not with Dave Chappelle or any other black person who offends the trans community. Ladies, how can I help my trans friends understand that I'm black first? Well, you know, that was the whole thing about Dave Chappelle and the girl in the club, right? And, you know, the girl in the club was like, we've been suffering for decades with her two what he called them Clifford friends, right? Because either way, you have to watch the show. But her two black trans friends, these big, you know, burly guys. And he said, you know, are y'all going to tell her? Or do I need to tell her? Basically, like you've been suffering for decades and we've been suffering for centuries and we're still oppressed now. So if you're not black and trans, you would never understand the struggle of a black trans person. Like as a black person, I admittedly cannot understand the struggle of a black trans person. I understand that I empathize with the struggle because I know that to be black is difficult. So you put another thing on there and it's like to be black woman is difficult. Okay, to be a black trans woman has to be even more difficult. And so I can empathize with that because I understand the struggle that I'm going through. And it's a lot. So what you're going through has to be way more than a lot. And so if you have somebody that only has the one whammy against them, they're not going to understand. They're not going to understand. And that's because they can turn it on or turn it off because they still are majority. So they still have that majority. Right. They have that privilege. We don't have privilege. Even if you decided you wanted to dress in your phenotypic sex, you still wouldn't have any extra privilege. So uh, that cannot be said for our Caucasian LGBTQIA sisters. Okay. It's just, they're not going to understand that struggle because they don't understand the level of oppression that you're going through. And the only thing you could do is share your level of oppression because just like the baby did not get canceled for killing a black man, nobody's really saying anything for killing black women. And, and they're not saying anything, especially for killing black trans women. But I mean, 
let a white woman get killed. Didn't we just talk about that? Missing white woman syndrome is a real thing. But kill a white woman. Oh, yeah. You, you, yeah. It's all over. We just don't have that kind of privilege. And the only thing you could do is keep shedding and spreading your truth of the struggles you go through as a black woman and a black trans woman. I mean, that's really all you can you can do is just keep highlighting um, the struggles that you go through because they, they don't get it. I agree with everything that you said, Nicole. But the one thing that I would add is also point out their points of privilege in comparison to yours. So I'm assuming that this trans friend is a as a Caucasian trans woman based on the letter. I would make that assumption. And if that's the case, point out the points of privilege that that Caucasian trans woman has that you don't have. Because, you know, I think that people, when they're in the minority, they often think that it's just one big pool of minorities. And that's not the case. Again, like Nicole said, society made these rules. We didn't make them. We don't necessarily agree with them. But that's how society made it. I mean, you can look at race. Let's take, you know, gender identity out of this. Look at race. There is a hierarchy of race in our society, right? White people are at the top. Asians come right below them. Then there's black people and Hispanics that are kind of fighting for the bottom place somewhere. That's how society is. So I would say just point out to your friend the points of privilege that your friend has that you don't have the luxuries of having. That will then help her understand there's a difference between being a black trans person and being a white trans person. Sometimes you just got to lay it out plain to them. Amen. All right, Janine. So let's talk about what we've learned new this week. Okay. So I've learned that. Okay. So can we go back to the National Coalition for Black Justice? I think that's what they were called, right? That organization, they said that they were tracking to have the highest rate of transgender people getting killed in 2021. Well, I would just like to point out, and this is what I learned when I went to go look up the statistics in 2020, only 28 transgender people or people who identify as gender diverse were murdered in the United States. Now, again, that's reported murders. So we understand that the the statistics might not be correct, but reported murders, there were only 28. And that's according to both Statista and Axios. So those are both two research firms. So I'd like to point out that number of 28 in comparison to in 2020, the first eight months of 2020, 164 black people were killed by the police alone. It's a tragedy, regardless of who it is. But let's put the numbers into perspective. Okay, so what I learned was from this Forbes article that was published a few days ago. And the article is called Be Careful, Cancer Culture is Here to Stay. And it is some tips to avoid being canceled. Okay, so y'all listening? Here we go. So number one, share with care, meaning think about what you post and ask if it could be construed as offensive. Two, post with purpose. Are you being impulsive or did you really need to post that is what you should be thinking. Number three, steer clear of hot button topics. So don't comment or post things that are are controversial. Number four, interpretations of humor may vary widely. So avoid cracking jokes online. Number five, apologize when you make a mistake and then go to social media and take a pause. And then number six, be inclusive. Make sure your brand reflects multiple viewpoints and that your target audience is diverse. And so I read that, Janine, and I thought, Why do we have to do that? Like, why do we have to worry about going viral and being canceled? This is just too much. I agree. I think that we need to cancel cancel culture, to be very honest with you. I agree. All 
right. So let's go to the motivational moment. And it comes from Brene Brown, who's the professor. And she says, empathy has no script. There is no right way or wrong way to do it. It's simply listening, holding space, withholding judgment, emotionally connecting and communicating that incredibly healing message of you're not alone. Until we meet again. Pray, work, slay. And show off your melanated excellence. Bye! Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson-Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh That's Deep Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh That's Deep BWC. Oh That's Deep Black Women Conversations is a Mean Old Lion Media production.